Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we get ready for the second edition of the CAF Women's Champions League, starting in Morocco on Sunday, with eight teams taking part. We hear from defending champions Mamelodi Sundowns Ladies of South Africa and from Zambia's Green Buffaloes. The mentality that we have is just to carry the trophy and bring it back home. That's coming up shortly. Also a look at Barcelona's early exit from the UEFA Champions League and Aston Villa's improvement after parting ways with manager Steven Gerrard. But let's start at the FIFA Under-17 Women's World Cup in India, where Sunday's final is between Colombia and Spain. There were three African teams there. Nigeria got to the semi-finals and just missed out, losing on penalties to Colombia after a goalless draw. Uh, Morocco went out at the group stage and Tanzania did well on their debut appearance to reach the quarter-finals where they lost to Colombia. A great story for them, Ida. Steve, what a story for the Serengeti girls. It's the first team from Tanzania to feature at a global tournament. And for it to be a women's team doing this from a largely conservative country, it says a lot, even to its country people. The Tanzanian girls started on the wrong footing with that 4-0 loss to Japan, but that 2-1 victory over former champions France definitely made a statement. Ultimately, it took a full Colombia squad to see out a nine-girl Tanzanian team. This was a performance that hopefully even made a statement to the Tanzanian president, a woman who, by the way, had some really disparaging things to say about women's football not too long ago. Steve, we are seeing women's football in Tanzania growing, even with the state of their league, much, much better. And hopefully this is a sign of bigger and better things to come from the East African country. Yes, absolutely. A great achievement for Tanzania. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to the CAF Women's Champions League. And the second edition kicks off in Morocco on Sunday. Eight teams are there in Group A. There's AS Far of Morocco, Simba Queens of Tanzania, Green Buffaloes of Zambia and Determined Queens of Liberia. Group B has Mamelodi Sundowns Ladies of South Africa. They're the defending champions. There's Bielsa Queens of Nigeria, Wadi Degla Women of Egypt and TP Mazembe Women of DR Congo. Well, let's hear from the holders, Mamelodi Sundowns. Here's their coach, Jerry Chabalala, on the pressure of playing at this level after dominating the domestic league at home. Sometimes, you know, uh, our league can't deceive us, you know, uh, in terms of uh, the level of, of competition that we're going to find in, in Morocco. So we don't want to read too much into our previous results. But what we can only rely on is the manner in which, as a team, we apply ourselves, you know, uh, in terms of us being able to create those, to create those scoring opportunities for, for ourselves. So, but we, we don't want to compare the two, the two leagues. You, if you may recall, you saw last year we, 
we battled a little bit in terms of us scoring goals because we thought that our performance from Hollywood would also be more or less similar to in, in Champions League. But it was a t- it was a different story when we got to Champions League. So the good thing about it is now that we, we will prepare better and we, we know what to expect in Champions League. So we're just hoping that we'll carry the momentum to Champions League. There's always a pressure for us, um, especially now that you've raised that we are African Cup of the Year. The pressure will always there, always be there. You know, a, a big team like Mamelodi Sundowns, we we have to we have to face this situation whereby we we feel pressure. There's going to be a lot of pressure for us, and we are expected to to perform. So basically, we are under pressure. That's Jerry Chabalala, the coach of Mamelodi Sundowns Ladies. Well, Zambia's Green Buffaloes are fancying their chances. Here's Agnes Musesa speaking to Sandra Mwila. Agnes, part of the Zambia team that finished third at the Women's Africa Cup of Nations earlier this year. The preparation so far so good. Everyone is putting in the level best and we are ready for the tournament. The competition is so high, everyone is ready for the tournament and definitely we are going to deliver. When you talk of uh, delivering, what uh, should Zambians uh, expect from Green Buffaloes? All we just need for Zambian people is to support us. We're really going to deliver according to the to the instruction from the coach and according to the training that we are going through. We are training so very hard so that we will deliver and will make the Zambian people proud. The mentality that we have is just to carry the trophy and bring it back home. We are playing Group A with uh, one of the teams from uh, Morocco. How do you look at that group? Mm, the group is, to- is, is very tough and all we really need to do is to work extra hard and to win all the games. Then you are Zach Desmusesa, you were at uh, the WAFCON, which was in uh, Morocco. What uh, what experience do you bring to Green Buffaloes having played in Morocco and won bronze at the WAFCON? Oh, the experience was very, 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 very great. And all we really need to do as a team is to work hard and to encourage one another so that we deliver the good result. So that's Agnes Musessa of Green Buffaloes. Um, so, Ida, the first edition of the CAF Women's Champions League got a lot of criticism as there was no prize money. Uh, this time the winners get $400,000. What do you make of uh, that criticism, Ida? Well, it's been interesting, Steve, to see how different people are looking at it. And look, it couldn't have been easy on the clubs last year. I mean, traveling within Africa, as we know, is sometimes more expensive than even traveling outside of the continent. Add to that many other miscellaneous related costs. And one can really see, you know, how it all becomes a burden. I mean, look at Ghana's Hazakas ladies, for example. The runners-up from last year's tournament. Now, they've been involved in a row with CAF for months over what they term as unpaid dues from the 2021 competition. They say that the debts they incurred have since irreparably messed up the club. But here's the other side to all this. Steve, in all fairness, CAF never actually announced any prize money prior to the inaugural event. And I do remember this being a huge talking point back then. So the participating clubs already knew what they were getting into, you see. According to CAF, 
That first edition is something that was wholly funded by the continental body as part of Motsepe's promise. And naturally, this is something that did put the liability of the competition on the clubs, a sort of, you know, look, if you participate, then you know what you're getting into. And I think had it remained as such, then maybe things would have cooled down. What is said to have brought back the storm are allegations that CAF then reached out to the clubs after the tournament, asking them for their bank details, something which obviously spurred expectations, expectations, Steve, that were ultimately never met. But let's look at the prize money, and it is a total of 1.55 million US dollars. The winners will take home 400,000, as you've said, runners up 250,000. The two losing semi-finalists will each receive 200,000. And there will be prize money in the group stage as well. So the two teams who finish third in their groups get 150,000 each. And even those who finish last will get 100,000 each. So pretty much everyone gets a piece. Let's compare this with the men's tournament where prize money increased back in 2017. Now, the winners there get 2.5 million. The runners up get 1.25 million all the way to the third and fourth in the group stages getting 550,000. So you can see that the last finisher in the men's still gets more than the winner in the women's. But, you know, of course, the tournaments are worlds apart in age. So my opinion, Steve, is that, of course, a competition of this magnitude should have prize money. There has to be a bigger incentive for clubs and players other than exposure. I mean, that's the toxic culture that people are trying to move away from. Yeah, sure. Thanks for that uh, breakdown there, Aida. And uh, who are the teams to watch out for at the finals in Morocco? Well, Steve, the competition is still new and so has a lot of newcomers. I mean, there are only three returning teams. Otherwise, everyone else will be having a maiden experience. Defending champions Mamelodi Sundowns will see coach Jerry Shabalala come back to now moderately familiar grounds, as will Wadi Degla's Wired El Sayed. Morocco's ASFAR is the other returning team, though it will be the first time out for their coach Mohamed Aliyua, who has been with the club but as youth coach. Now, despite that commonality, Steve, these clubs had very, very different experiences last time out. While the Sundowns went ahead and won it, Wadi Degla crashed out in the group stage. And that was next level embarrassment for them because remember, they were on home soil. And ASFAR took the bronze. Now, there is excitement, Steve, that the Moroccans might go all the way. One, based on their performance last time out. And two, now buoyed by the fact that they won't be only on home soil generally, but more specifically, be playing in their home city of Rabat. Now, they will be the only returnees in Group A alongside Tanzania's Simba Queens, Zambia's Green Buffaloes and Liberia's Determined Girls. So already they do have an edge 
over their opponents, I would say a big edge. Group B sees Mamelodi Sundowns and Wadi Degla as the prominent ones. Now, the Sundowns defending champions, of course, they've wrapped up the league title at home and so they can fully focus on the task at hand in Morocco. Wadi Degla, well, with a lot to prove, Steve, after that disastrous showing last time out. Majority of the teams come into this with inexperience at this level and it will be on them to adjust quickly. But the big teams aside, Steve, there's always a chance for an underdog to emerge. Yeah, it could be a difficult one to predict uh, indeed. So the first games in the CAF Women's Champions League, the second edition, will be on Sunday. Uh, being played in Rabat is Group A. So Green Buffaloes up against Determined Girls of Liberia. Uh, AS Far from the host nation Morocco playing Simba Queens. And then Group B is on in Marrakesh. So on Monday, Mamelodi Sundowns ladies playing Bielsa Queens of Nigeria and Wadi Degla of Egypt up against T.P. Mazembe. That's at the CAF Women's Champions League in Morocco. Now, the draw for next year's edition of the FIFA Women's World Cup has been made. Four African teams qualified automatically. Nigeria are in Group B with Australia, Ireland and Canada. Uh, Zambia in Group C with Spain, Costa Rica and Japan. South Africa in Group G with Sweden, Italy and Argentina. And Morocco in Group H with Germany, Colombia and South Korea. Uh, Senegal and Cameroon go through the final qualifying tournament in February of next year. If Senegal get through, they'll be in Group D with England, Denmark and China. Uh, Cameroon drawn in Group E if they get there, alongside the USA, Vietnam and the Netherlands. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League and how matches are lasting an extra two minutes now because of the VAR on average. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv. Uh, there you can read Russ Bravo's blog on Zambia and Brighton midfielder Enoch Mwepu with the tragic ending of his career because of a heart issue. And Russ looks at how Mwepu's future is secure as a follower of Jesus. That's on our website, planetsport.tv, and you'll find it in the blog section. We're now to the Beach Soccer Africa Cup of Nations in Mozambique. Senegal and Egypt making it through to the final. And a Burundi-born Cynthia Ishimwe made history by becoming the first woman to referee a match at the Beach Soccer AFCON. Uh, that was the game between Senegal and Madagascar. Uh, following the achievement early this year at the Africa Cup of Nations, where Salima Mukasanga led the first ever team of female match officials at Africa's flagship event at the Africa Africa Cup of Nations. Now, on social media last week, we asked, what do you think about the Beach Soccer AFCON? Uh, are you excited about it? Is it relevant to you? And should Africa take more interest in beach soccer? 
Well, interestingly, we had a really, really low response to this question, unusually,、uh, with very few comments, and that told us that、uh, there's probably not much interest in the beach soccer Afcon.、Uh, that it's a tournament that、uh, still very much is growing, and that beach soccer is still very much developmental around Africa.、Uh, Ojike Amogu in Nigeria said, "I'm not interested, as Nigeria pulled out of the competition due to lack of funds."、Uh, Sideko Suno in the Gambia said. Uh, the Senegal team excited me a lot.、Uh, the tournament is very important, and Africa should put more interest in beach soccer because it's a source of employment for youths、uh, around the continent. In Ghana, Kuino Selom says this year's edition is going to be the best with the branding, the play, the sportsmanship, and with Mozambique being a great destination as the host. And Balong Baji in the Gambia says, "I'm excited about it. I do watch beach football sometimes.、Uh, I think it'll be good if Africa shows more interest so that the game can grow, and beach soccer can prolong careers as it lessens injuries and it allows players to be skillful and have endurance to display their talents in an entertaining way." Says Balong. Well, thanks for those comments. This week on social media, we're asking what's wrong with Barcelona as we take a look at Barcelona crashing out of the UEFA Champions League with that three-nil home loss to Bayern Munich. It's the second season in a row that they failed to make the Champions League knockout stage, having previously done it for 17 seasons in a row. Uh, Barca spent around 150 million dollars on new signings, including Robert Lewandowski. So, what do you think is the problem at Barcelona? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think is wrong with Barcelona、uh, failing to make it to the knockout stage of the Champions League, along with the likes of Atletico Madrid and with Juventus too? We're、next here on Planet Sport Football Africa to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK.、Uh, lots to talk about, and let's start with Cristiano Ronaldo, as the Manchester United forward、uh, did feature and did score in Thursday night's Europa League group game against Moldovan club Sheriff Tiraspol. This after having been ordered a week earlier to train alone by manager Eric Ten Hag. Ronaldo refused to come on as a substitute against Tottenham last week Wednesday and was dropped for the game against Chelsea last weekend.、Uh, Ten Hag saying there had to be consequences for his actions. Ronaldo said the heat of the moment got to him as he walked down the tunnel in the 89th minute, having refused to come on as a sub. And in typical Ronaldo fashion, came back a week later to score in that game against Sheriff Tiraspol on Thursday night. But、uh, what do you make of this, Stuart? Can Ronaldo go somewhere where he can be a regular starter?、Uh, does he have to accept that age is catching up in terms of playing at the highest level? Steve, in the final minute of Manchester United's game against Newcastle United, the ball was crossed and Marcus Rashford headed wide. Some United supporters expressed frustration that the chance had not fallen to Ronaldo, widely regarded as the best header of a ball in world football. But Ronaldo was not on the pitch; he was sitting on the bench. And in a way, that summed up perfectly the Ronaldo conundrum. He's a proven goalscorer. He was Manchester United's leading goalscorer last season, but he doesn't easily fit into Eric Ten Hag's system of play. 
Now, after the game on television, on Sky Sports, there was a fascinating discussion, or even argument, about Ronaldo between Gary Neville and Roy Keane. Ironically, two pundits who had been teammates of Ronaldo during his first coming. Those glory years under Alex Ferguson. Neville said that Manchester United are better without Ronaldo. They get more points and score more goals, and that is a fact, he said. Keane replied that Ronaldo had had enough. He had simply snapped. He may be 37, Keane said, but he still wants to be the best in the world, and I admire that about him. I think his actions showed that he cares. And then Keane added, I would have been much more frustrated if I had seen Ronaldo sitting and laughing on the bench and not caring. OK, he walked down the tunnel early, but I've seen players at Manchester United do a lot worse in my time. Neville added that many Manchester United fans would not have Ronaldo in their starting eleven, But Keane dismissed that, saying, I couldn't care less what the fans think, because most of the fans haven't got a clue. Ronaldo scores a goal every two games for Manchester United. He feels frustrated that he's not getting enough opportunities. So there you have two quite different expert views on what should happen to Cristiano Ronaldo. You ask my opinion, Steve? I think that Manchester United will try to offload him in the January transfer window, provided there's someone to take him on his terms. Yes, uh, certainly a difficult one, uh, isn't it? So we'll see what happens with Cristiano Ronaldo. And um, English Premier League last weekend, Stuart, an incredible result for Aston Villa. Uh, just three days after parting ways with manager Steven Gerrard, they beat Brentford 4-0, and uh, they were 3-0 up after just 14 minutes. Absolutely. On the 20th of October, Aston Villa lost 3-0 to Fulham and immediately fired the manager Steven Gerrard. Then three days later, as you say, with a temporary manager in charge, Villa not only beat Brentford 4-0, but were three up in a quarter of an hour. But then, by the 25th of October, that's five days, Aston Villa had appointed Una Emery as their new manager. We have a saying in England, Steve, that a week is a long time in politics. And in the last week, the UK has had two prime ministers... But a week is an awfully long time in the Premier League too. Stephen Gerrard was one of the greatest players of his generation, playing over 500 league games for Liverpool, 114 appearances for England, as a stylish, attacking midfield player. He was a one-club player, spending 18 seasons at Liverpool. He was manager of Glasgow Rangers in Scotland for three and a half years, where he guided Rangers to their first league title in 10 years, then he was headhunted by Aston Villa in November 2021, but he is gone in less than a year. Aston Villa finished 14th in the Premier League last season, and they were 14th again when he was fired. I don't think you can say that Stephen Gerrard was a failure at Villa. 11 months is far too little time to judge a manager. I mean, this week, Antonio Conte said that he will need two or three more transfer windows to get Tottenham where he wants them. Gerrard was given 11 months in total. Some people might say it's another example of a star player who has not found it easy to make the transition from player to manager. And the new Villa manager is Una Emery from Spain. He's 50, he's just left Villarreal. Previously he's managed clubs in Spain, including Seville 
and Valencia, as well as Paris Saint-Germain. But of course, he's best known to us as the man who replaced Arsene Wenger, spending two and a half years as Arsenal manager. Arsenal finished fifth and eighth in his first two seasons, but in the next one he was gone. Emery is an experienced manager who was not outstandingly successful last time round, Disappointment has been expressed that Villa went for a foreign manager. Currently, only six of the 20 Premier League clubs have a British manager. And Patrick Vieira made some interesting comments. He expressed his disappointment that another white manager had been appointed, saying it's almost impossible for a black manager to get a job in the Premier League. Yeah, Vieira really uh, spoke out in those uh, comments. Um, another big talking point from last weekend, Stuart. Uh, Liverpool losing to Nottingham Forest uh, a week after they managed to beat Manchester City. Um, my favourite joke on social media the past few days was people saying that uh, Liverpool were environmentally friendly. They didn't want to cause any harm to the Forest. But uh, incredible result, wasn't it? Well, Steve, one of the things I love about the Premier League is that it's so unpredictable. Last weekend, Nottingham Forest went into the game with Liverpool with only one win all season and Liverpool last season the second best team in the country and Forest won 1-0. Forest stay bottoms the table. Arsenal were held to a draw at Southampton so Manchester City closed the gap. Newcastle won at Tottenham to move them into the top four at the expense of Chelsea who drew with Manchester United. But the bottom of the table looks really congested. You know, Aston Villa are 14th, but they're only three points off the bottom. Leicester City were bottom 10 days ago, but then wins over Wolves and Leeds lifted them out of the bottom three. And while Southampton had lost three in a row, they've then had a win and two draws to move them up the table. Bournemouth are one point above Villa, with Gary O'Neill still in temporary charge. And last weekend, Steve, Bournemouth lost to West Ham with a goal awarded when it struck the arm of a forward, prompting O'Neill to comment that Bournemouth have had 11 VAR reviews during his time in charge, and all 11 have gone against them. But the two teams that I fear for are Wolves and Leeds. Wolves have lost five of their last six league games. They have no manager, with Michael Beale of QPR the latest to turn them down. Beale's QPR are currently second in the championship, and perhaps Beale feels he's more likely to stay in the Premier League if he's at QPR than if he moves to Wolves. And Leeds' last eight games have seen them draw twice and lose six of them. And the coming weekend, Leeds are away to Liverpool, Forest go to Arsenal, Wolves are at Brentford, so no easy points for any of them. Steve, I spotted a few other things. On the 22nd of October, Erling Haaland, who is 22 years old, scored in the 22nd minute against Brighton. And it was, believe it or not, the 22nd goal he scored this season. Chelsea drew with Manchester United, which was no surprise, because this is the 30th time the two clubs have drawn a league game. More draws in that fixture than in any other. And well done, Jimmy Vardy, who became the fifth player to score a 100 top division goals after the age of 30. You'll probably remember him well, Steve, but the last one to do it was Nat Lofthouse in 1955. 
Sometimes at the end of a game, a player will take off his match shirt and give it to a fan. Well, after Chelsea's one-all draw with Manchester United, Mateo Kovacek went one better, taking off his match shirt and his shorts, giving them to a fan and walking off in his underpants. And now, Steve, it's official. Before VAR was introduced in 2006, the average length of a Premier League game was 96 minutes and 2 seconds. Now it's 98 minutes and 9 seconds. So that's an extra 2 minutes and 7 seconds added to the length of a game because of VAR. Uh, Yeah, that sounds correct with all of those extra delays we're getting because of the VAR. Thanks, Stuart. So this weekend, Manchester City away to Leicester on Saturday. Uh, Chelsea playing away to Brighton. So Graham Potter, uh, the new Chelsea manager, up against his former club. Uh, Liverpool at home to Leeds in the late game on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Arsenal, Nottingham Forest, Manchester United at home to West Ham. Uh, Then we finish off the group stage of the UEFA Champions League next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. And the FIFA World Cup in Qatar is now just a about to three weeks away so it's getting closer and closer and the football keeps on coming well that's it for the show for this week so from me steve vickers in harare from ida waringa in nairobi and from Stuart weir in the uk thanks a lot for listening and planet sport football africa is a passion for sport production <laughs>